In the following live session recording, Scott Allred, Associate Pastor of Music at First Baptist Church, Jonesboro, Georgia, leads the session entitled Multi-Gen Worship, Bringing It All Home. Scott is a leading figure in multi-generational and worship ministry. Bringing people together has its challenges to be sure, but when they gather, it feels like home. Scott will share concepts of working through change and intentional planning, which connects with all generations. Let's join Scott now. We discover one thing that we do as a church, we start on time. It is 1.30, so we're going to start. My name is Scott Allred. I'm the minister of music here at this church. First Baptist Jones, we're opening about eight and a half years. This, in case you wondered, let me make sure you're the right session. This is multi-generational worship, bringing it all home. That, um, I did not come up with that. That was handed to me. And so I'm like, really? Okay, so we're going to try to help you. First of all, let me just kind of start off with a disclaimer. Oh, by the way, Pastor Mel, this is Mel Blackby. He's our senior pastor, and he'll, he's going to be sharing with you some thoughts in just a few minutes kind of to help you know from both senior pastor and my mindset why, how, and we do what we do in our mindset and how to go. First of all, we are not. This is my son, Jack. Uh, he's, been, he's been helping everybody. We are. We do not. We are not experts uh, on doing church. Uh, we follow the Holy Spirit, and uh, we trust what He what He gives us as we as we look to Him, as we study His Word, as we pray to Him, as we gather together. And uh, so, don't say, "Oh, these are the experts. We're going to do exactly what they do." Uh, I would encourage you to do take what you learn or hear, and maybe be challenged by, it and then say, "Well, God, what would you have us do?" Man, that that seems to work for Him. How can we learn or grow from this? Because if you try to do what we do exactly where you're at, it may not work. Because God does different things and different people different things. So we're not experts. Also, everything we're going to talk to you about today, most of it's idea. What I mean is we don't do it perfectly. Uh, we know what we want to do, and we need, these are our thoughts, and this is what, what we do, and it's why we try to do it, and we don't always do it right. We always uh, have room for improvement. So I just want to say it from the top. Uh, so I don't want to come across as, oh, this is a guy who knows what he's up to, and this church has got it all together. We think God has blessed us richly here. We're beyond uh, uh, beyond blessed that we can't believe that God would choose to use us in his work the way he does. And he's, he's so resourced us, and we feel a great burden to invest that. You know, uh, Our church's motto is we live to glorify God by making disciples who invest in others and impact the nation. So we have we felt a great burden to invest, to invest back in God's kingdom because it's all about building His kingdom anyway. So um, you, if you haven't, if you didn't pick up one of these, this is just to help you. This is a handout. If anybody needs one of these, you may not ever may already have it. It just helps you. It helps you stay, keep up with me, and know when I'm going to be done. Or if you get lost in my outline, it helps you to understand where we're at. Um, we're just going to start at the top, and uh, according to your course description. It said, bringing people together has its challenges, to be sure, but when they gather, it can feel like home. So let's consider concepts of working through change and intentional planning that connects with all generations. So um, I thought today that we would start with uh, the whole concept, why? You know, we're in a, a culture where some churches choose to have a service for this age group or for this demographic or whatever, and other churches don't. Some churches choose to their own way. Some churches, no, I'm not going to appeal to anybody. I'm just going to do what we've always done. And some churches, okay, I'm not going to do anything that we've always done. We're going to throw it all out and do something else. And and so why are we choosing the multi-generational approach? Well, uh, you see in your outline, there's two pro philosophical reasons why, 
and practical reasons why. And I'm going to give you kind of a, just an incredibly brief uh, intro to the philosophical. And then Pastor Mel is going to come, and he is going to share with you from Senior Pastor's Heart about why we do what we do. So philosophically, and this overarches everything, why we do what we do can be based that one word, love. Love. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, if, you, if you've been in our fellowship hall, you see it on the wall. The love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And I want you to think about that. Not just, oh, Jesus died for us. If one died for all, then all died. By the way, that means you and me. We died too. Uh, and if he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. And uh, that means loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And loving your neighbor, not just loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Those are the two great commands. And so the philosophical, the first reason, and the only reason philosophically that we do this is love. And so um, with that, I've asked Pastor Mel to come, and he's going to kind of build on that, and I don't know what all this he's going to say, but uh, he wanted to kind of jump in right there at the very top and express to you guys uh, from a senior pastor's heart why, maybe even why he brought me here, because uh, I've been here eight years. I, I wondered that many times. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been here 11, I've been here uh, eight and a half, so. All right. Uh, good, I wanted to say, share a few things, and uh, uh, Scott asked if I might just sit in, and we could maybe even throughout the, this time together interact a little bit, and uh, I'll feel appeal to just jump in and interject along the way, but I wanted to say a few things uh, from a senior pastor's perspective. You know, we, you can have music and worship and kind of work all these things, but sometimes uh, I sit back and I've got this big picture of all ministries, all everything going on around our church, and, and what role does, does worship play in the overall picture of what God's doing? So uh, I, I want to give, first of all, I drop down to just a few what I just call random observations. Questions that I struggle with, uh, questions that I, I look at and say, now how do we address that? One of, one of these things, one of these random observations that, that I, I draw down was, uh, well, actually, let me give one more caveat. See, Scott's already done some of this, but I've got a lot of pastor friends around America and Canada, and uh, they do very different kinds of things when it comes to worship. As I'm not making any commentary on Correct. how they've chosen to do it. Uh, we want to share some of our convictions of why we do what we do Correct. in our context uh, in this church. And so just, just take that for what it is. Correct. But these are still things I, I struggle with. Uh, we, we don't include our young people in adult worship and then wonder why they don't feel a part of the church after high school. We wonder why we, they go off to college and don't come back. We, we, we wonder why uh, they, they're not connected to big church, a real church, because they've never actually been in it. And in fact, you know, I have a son-in-law, uh, love him to death. Uh, you know, he, he, he's, uh, God's using him, he's not a worship leader. But it's fascinating because when he was, when he was getting married to my daughter, his dad's a pastor in the, in the, in the area, a church over a thousand people, pretty good sized church. And so he grew up in that church ever since he was just a, a baby. And so I'm thinking, okay, we have a wedding, we've got to get the reception, we've got to get the list of who's invited. You know, we've got a big church here, we've got our guests, and his dad's a pastor of a big church, 100,000 <coughs> people, and uh, they're going to have a big uh, list of people that want to come. 
I started asking them about it. Can you tell us about your list and the people you need from your church? And, and he made a, at that moment, he made a fascinating comment. He said, well, to be honest, I don't really know a lot of people in church. I said, well, it's near death pastor. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, growing up, I was in a kid's church, and then I was in, we had youth worship. It was the same time as adult worship. And then I went off to, to college. And I just graduated from college. I just come back, and uh, I've really never been in adult worship. And it just kind of struck me as odd. And, uh, and again, I think in my mind, uh, the, the tragedy of so many kids head off to college and just, they don't come back to church. Well, they've never been in church. Uh, they've always been somewhere. Else. And we wonder, why is that disconnect? Now, you know, just as a little caveat again, uh, his dad and, and, and me have talked, we've talked a lot. And actually, they've stopped doing that. Because they realize that uh, you can lose a lot of kids who've actually never been in church. And we're wondering why they're not coming back. They've never been in church. Here's another, another just random thought. Uh, we care to young persons every preference in order to reach them. They wonder why they become self-absorbed and don't care about the needs of adults. I mean, if it's all about you, why think about the needs of others? And sometimes uh, the way we, in our mind, we rationalize we've got we to reach these people, so whatever they want, we're going to do it to get them. And we wonder why they become self-centered. They've never been taught. It's not all about them. Uh, now, that, now, that doesn't mean that uh, we don't have targeted youth activities and targeted youth worship uh, during the week, but there ought to be some time when we've taught them about uh, being a body and, and, and other people's needs. Uh, we want our young people to grow into maturity, but then we separate them from the mature who live a lifetime walking with God. It's fascinating, isn't it? I think the Bible talks about the older ones teaching the younger ones. Uh, now, that, now, that doesn't mean that age equates to maturity, right? <laughs> you and I both know that, but it means we should be learning from one another. Uh, here's, here's another statement. We, we divide our church by age and preferences and wonder why the church struggles with, with unity. Mm -hmm. I mean, America is deeply divided. And, and we need to show the difference Christ makes in our relationships. But if we can't overcome division in the church, what do we got to offer the world? Mm -hmm. and, another statement. We, we divide our families and church into different worship venues and wonder why families are divided at home and are falling apart. I mean, I mean the homes around us are just they're broken, they're, they're divided, they're falling apart, they're, they're failing. And they come to church, we divide them all again. They don't have, they don't, they come to church, they don't see each other again until they, they, they leave to go back home and wonder why they're not actually connecting. There's something beautiful about uh, a, a grandchild sitting beside a grandfather worshiping God, at least in my mind. Uh, but also, you know, the answer is not, it's more than just meeting in one combined service. It's not just, okay, this is that one worship service. Again, you can cater to the young all you want and wonder why the old generation feels unwanted. And a lot of times the reason, uh, they want our money, but they don't want our voice. <laughs> and they start getting frustrated. Or you can go the other way, cater to only the older ones who are paying for everything, and they remind you of that, uh, and, and, and wonder why uh, you don't like coming to church. And, and I'm telling you, one of the, it's tragic, it's tragic, one of the greatest advantages that we have here is there are a lot of churches around us who died. And our church has watched it happen. Several of those churches have given us their properties. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've got a whole campus uh, a few miles away that was kind of fully equipped for about 800 people. Just hand us the keys. They got old. No young people, no young families. And uh, they just entrusted us with their properties to say, can you help some evangelical work continue? Uh, another church, there's another church not too far from us that used to run 1,500 people 
And uh, the pastor a few years ago came to me and said, you know, we may have to give you our keys too. And I'm like, I don't want your keys. He says, well, he said, I know if a young family came to visit our church, they'd never come back. Because mm -hmm. we don't have any children, no young families, and there's nothing for them. And his heart cry was, it's too, it's too late. We know we need to, but it's, it's like, how do you start when you've got an old, large, aging building with only a few uh, senior adults? How do, you, how do you recover that? And so to be honest, one of the great benefits of our church is, I can say, uh, you take a look down the road, that, that could be us if we don't figure out how to reach this next generation. Uh, and and so, it's, so it's not just having one service, it's what do you do with that? How, how do you have a worship service uh, that can embrace all of those? And let me read, this is, this is a scripture that's important to me. Philippians 1, 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a group of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. But to you it's been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Having the same conflict with, with which you saw in me and now appears in me. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of mercy, fulfill my joy of being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition that were conceived, but in lowliness of mind that each esteem others better than himself. Mm -hmm. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Mm -hmm. Now what a, what a foundational passage when you talk about how you get intergenerational worship. Mm -hmm. Concerned about others. Uh, that we can strive together the faith and gospel, and that's not just the adults striving together, it's all generations striving together uh, for, the, for the gospel. And, and I love how he says, you know, what, what a joy uh, that it's been granted to us to believe and to be saved, but it's also granted to us to suffer. And sometimes our young people need to know it's been granted to them to suffer, to sacrifice, uh, to put others first, to lay down your life. Uh, again, if all we do is uh, trying to reach them by meeting every desire that they, that they like and all the preferences, no wonder they're self-centered. Uh, again, again, I'm not saying we don't go after them, but some uh, youth worship band during the week or some activity or something targeting to them, just like we do our older adults and the whole, all the different generations, but there ought to be some time where we can say, this is our time uh, to gather because unity is so important and, and others are important. And, uh, I, I can set aside some of my preferences so that uh, we can build up the entire body. Uh, I'm so excited about that. I, I keep asking the question, can Jesus make us one and still reach a diverse people in our community? Mm -hmm. Diverse in age, uh, diverse in race, mm -hmm. uh, diverse in economics, diverse culturally. Can Jesus make us one? And what role does worship play in both teaching and modeling the Christian life? Uh, so I'm glad you're here. And Scott's going to give us the answers to all of those. Wow. No, we want to. He wants to unpack some practical things. And uh, again, I may just kind of jump in. And That's right. Yeah. Way, so, so that kind of gives you a, kind of an underlying uh, and overarching why, uh, from a philosophical point of view, love. We're compelled by the gospel. 
to be united. We're compelled by the gospel to uh, be uh, consider others better than ourselves. We're compelled by the gospel to be obedient. And so, so philosophically, that's why we do multiple generational worship. Um, then there's a practical. So you see that on your outline. There's why. Those are, what's the practical reason why? Well, um, I, I came up with one word, and it's opportunity. Opportunity. And I'm going to give you some opportunities, areas of opportunity, that multi-generational worship affords us. First of all, evangelism. Um, Psalm 145, 1. One generation, Pastor Mel referred to a minute ago, somewhere it says in there, one generation shall declare your works to another. Uh, multi-generational worship is an opportunity to share and show the gospel with the parents of children engaged in music discipleship. Um, you know, music, a lot of churches today don't offer um, opportunities for, uh, training opportunities for children or youth or anything else like that. Or if they do, it's like Pastor Mel said, it's separated out. And this is an opportunity, you, a lot of times kids will drag mom and dad to something that they think is fun or safe. Um, and parents are often willing to go somewhere that their kids are going to be like he said, unfortunately, it's satisfied by it. Man, if that makes him happy, I'm going to go and do that. And so we, we want our worship services to be fun, to be safe, and to be um, edifying for them. Um, these parents might not otherwise be engaged. They have no clue um, that maybe one of the reasons they're coming is because we're really trying to reach them. Because the Bible says that if we reach them, then we have the potential to reach their whole household with, with the power of the gospel. Um, so evangelism is one thing. Pastor Mel has already told you another one, unity. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10 uh, tells us that we are to agree on all things, no divisions between us, united in body and mind. Colossians 3.13 and 14, we're to bear with one another, forgive each other, love one another. Psalm 133.1, you'll probably have sung that before if you know the Tommy Walker song. How good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity and what? Praise the Lord. And so, um, unity is incredibly important. One room holding all generations is a great opportunity. And I know it's an opportunity to be united because generations by nature are very diverse. Uh, we all came up in different cultures. I mean, in this room together, there's probably at least three, if not four, generations just in this room. And uh, we're, by culture, by the music we listen to, the clothes we wear, the jobs we do, the places we went to school, the, the way their parents raised us, we're all going to be very different. But we do have, and this is what we, 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 we maximize, not our differences, but our commonalities. If you were in worship yesterday, the first session, we began, Georgia, what is our common faith? And then we declared kind of an adaptation of the Apostles' Creed, but let's celebrate what unites us. Because in Christ, we are united. And so it's a great opportunity to teach younger, especially the younger, but like that person said, some of the olders who maybe have been Christians or at least been in church forever, never understood it's not all about them. Or maybe one time they thought it was, but they grew uh, maybe hardened uh, over time. Um, so practically, number one, evangelism. Number two, unity. Number three, uh, community. Uh, it's an opportunity for community. You know, Hebrews 10, 25 uh, talks about stirring one another up, for forsaking not the assembling of yourselves, doing must stir one another up to good works. Galatians 3, 28 talks about, and this is similar, community is really, some, unity is part of community, so it's similar, 
But the, you know, we don't focus on male, female, Greek, Jew, slave, free. Um, that we're all part of one body. Uh, we're all part of one body, and uh, God has created us for community. Community in today, in 2019, I want to say 2021. Community in 2019 is really countercultural in a lot of ways. Yeah. We're in a we're in a society that's all about me. Pastor Mel's already talked about it, and the reason is is because our as we've become, especially in Western culture, more uh, affluent, or more educated, or more whatever, we have uh, amassed all kinds of material belongings. We Most of us get what we want to eat, what we want to drive, what we want to wear, where we want to live. And so it's become, by default, all about me. And so community implies that I'm not the only one that's important here. And so... Um, the church is described as the body of Christ, okay? And the church is many members made up of one body. Um, and there's no one, you know, a, a part that's more important than the other. All of us have a role. And uh, so the, the, the gathering of the church, the worship gathering of the church, is a great place and a great opportunity for us to, to model that and to remind everybody, not beating it over people's heads, but remind people, hey, it's not all about you and... It's a beautiful thing. I just kind of want to interject something here, too, because yeah. uh, I'd like to add that your worship service can't do it by itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one component of, an, of a larger body. Mm -hmm. And if, if everything else we're doing is divided up, you're not going to make it unified in, in just that one hour of worship. Uh, I, I saw our, our youth guy walk in here, uh, Jake. Uh, can you they, can you tell them the impact that senior citizens have on the youth of our church? Yeah, so we've got really multi generational leadership. We have everyone from the age of eighty four. <laughs> Jack Brandon eighty four. Yeah, eighty four. Yeah, he's eighty four. Rides his motorcycle. Rides motorcycle. Well, the kids love it. I mean, you walk in and if you're not getting either a, a fist bump or a hug from Jackie Brandon, you have it in student ministry. Um, but he pours into kids. Um, we've got Mabel who's now 72 who pours in and serves kids and she'll sit back there and uh not only multi-generational but multi ethnic yeah he's he's a white man she's a black woman yeah so. uh both love jesus and because they love jesus god's called them to serve there and they serve well um and then we don't only have older generations we've got uh people who are you know in their early 30s that are served and and they're just people who god has given a passion to to serve and, and they serve in student ministry and are faithful in any way they possibly can be if it's uh, greeting people at a door, if it's serving people food, if it's just encouraging people that are sitting by themselves, like Ms. Maples does, and, um, and we've got several others. Mo, who's in his 50s. We've got uh, a guy who's in his 70s, Mr. Bobby. We've got Matthew Fears, who's in his late 30s, mid to late 30s. Uh, I mean, we've got tons of just different generations that are um, represented, and all because God's given them a desire and a calling to pour into students. And so... That's where they're going to serve, and students respond well to that. Well, I, I was about to say that the, the reason why some of the, the the youth are okay with some of the more traditional things we do in our worship is because they love Jackie Brandon. Yeah. And, and the reason why some of the older ones are okay with some of the very contemporary things we do in worship is because they love the they, they, they love they've been around those youth, they know them. Yeah. So again, if you're interacting. In other areas of the church, it makes a great benefit when you try to interact in worship. Oh, yeah. If worship is the only ministry trying to do that, 
you're going to be fighting. Yeah, and all of these things, we're going to be talking about a little bit more in this, but so you, so you kind of know where we're going. So all of this uh, it, it plays into what we're talking about later. Also, um, in community, so many of the people, especially around here, maybe from where you're, you're at, uh, they're coming from dysfunctional or non-existent homes or families. And it gives them opportunity to be a part of a larger family. And uh, when you come together uh, with, like Pastor Mel said, grandparents sitting with grandchildren, or uh, the different races, different ages all sitting together, uh, it, may, it can be, it's not a replacement for, but it, it's an alternative, or it gives them maybe a respite from what maybe is their everyday life at home. Because schools like to say, we think that schools, schools are not set up. They're not set up for community. They're not set up to, for, to be loving and embracing. Like a school teacher sitting back here in the corner, she knows that. Um, schools are just not, they're not set up to be like, like a church is, edifying and helping people. All right, so evangelism, unity, community. The next opportunity is discipleship. Here, um, we really and truly uh, emphasize the fact that our music is a tool for learning truth, memorizing truth, sharing truth, and ministering to others. Uh, we don't worship music. Uh, we don't worship our experiences uh, in the worship center. Music is a tool that God has given us to grow closer to Him, to get to know Him better, but also to edify each other and to encourage each other and strengthen each other and, um, and, to, and, and to individually and corporately bless God in return. Just to praise Him in return. It's a tool. So if you've been in our worship center, we've got a monster organ in there. Um, we don't worship that organ. We're thankful for that organ. And we, we want to use it, and we believe God has given it to us to use it when appropriate and in the appropriate ways. Um, we're not going to use it on a rock tune. I mean, and but that doesn't mean we're going to throw rock tunes out because we've got this big organ. You know, so everything in our in our big multi-generational, everybody kind of has a place. We call, we call it sound space. And there's sound space and different things like that. We've got a big old piano over there, we've got a big orchestra and a band and a choir and and y'all have not seen all that, but we like tomorrow morning we'll have a big orchestra, big choir, oh, and the band, oh, and singers out front, oh, and the organ, and it's all kind of interchangeably interwoven. Do we think it's a beautiful tapestry of what heaven's going to be like? And besides, God's like, hey, I've given that to you. What are you going to do with it? I've got people that you can engage with all of this. How are you going to use that to just brighten my life, to spread my kingdom, and share my love? So. Anyway, it's an opportunity for discipleship. And then finally, and I've kind of alluded to this, it's beautiful, it's uncommon, and therefore it's attractive. We talk about, you know, seeker-sensitive church and, and how we're going to get somebody to come. Listen to these thoughts I put down. Human beings were created in part to appreciate and enjoy and contribute to beauty. It's a beautiful thing when generations from so many divides inexplicably come together and worship with one common voice for one common united reason. And then the offering itself is beautiful because it is wrought from deference and considering others before yourself, as Philippians once said, and it is a fulfillment of the biblical picture of the church, the bride of Christ from every tribe, nation, tongue, and generation in relation to the Father. So those are some practical reasons for doing it. Um, the philosophical, love. Practically, opportunity, evangelism, unity, Community, discipleship, and beauty, uncommonality, and attractiveness. So, did anybody have any questions? We'll have a Q and A at the end, so we're going to kind of just keep moving forward because a lot to cover, and 
already later than I thought it was going to be. I, didn't, I thought it was going to be done by now. But anyway, uh, that's all right. So the next part of your uh, little outline there, we've told you why we do it. So now we're going to kind of tell you how we do it or how that we want to do it. How about that? How that we want to do it and want to, to be better at it. And I've got a bunch of subtitles under this, but whereas the philosophical of why was love and that drove everything, well, the driving force behind how is joyfully. Joyfully. Um, there must be a total buy-in from leadership. Now, now we're getting a little bit into churches here, but um, for something like this to, to work uh, in a church setting, there must be a buy-in. He and I got to be on the same page. Jake, as a student pastor, next-gen representative, has got to be a believer. There's a huge difference in duty and the like. I'm not trying to be trite with this, but there really is. It can't be when I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. I'm doing it because that's what the pastor wants. I'm doing it, well, that's just because of the way they've done it. Versus, man, this is my delight. I, I mean, God has called us. Look what he's doing. And I've sensed a lot of that. Jake's only been here a year, but I've already sensed a lot of that in my short time with Jake. And I, from the very beginning, from Pastor Mel. And um, so, but overarching all these reasons that I give you is joyfully. It's got to be your delight. It will not work if you've got just a bunch of duty, dutiful people. It's got to be delighted people. So, under the joyfully how, number one, sacrifice, sacrifice sacrificially. It's, I read this this past week. It's an act of worship when one generation loves another generation more than their own musical preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, Philippians 2.3, in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.24, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Um, that means you've got to put down what you want, uh, possibly, uh, so that someone else can have what they want because... There are varieties of maturity. There are varieties of places where we're going to walk. And you know, at some point, I'll tell you what, when you lay yourself down, first of all, I quoted it last night in worship, God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll change your desires and He'll fulfill them. When you lay your desires down, He has strange ways of bringing you delight. And so, other people may be getting what they want, but you will guess what? You'll be delighted and you will be fulfilled. So, sacrifice. Number two, courageously. Um... Joshua 1 9, be bold and courageous for the Lord our God is with you. 2 Corinthians 3 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We've got a great hope to show the world, so let's be bold. Um, we do this by commitment uh, to invest in other generations. Um, that's courageous and sacrificial here because it means facilities. The commitment to nice and uh, sufficient facilities, and we're in the uh, middle right now in this place even of reevaluating our facilities, what needs to be improved, what needs to be expanded, what needs to be done away with, that costs money. Uh, programs, you know, Southern Baptists are one of the worst about getting rid of programs. Well, we can create a program, but how many of you remember training you? I mean, you know what I mean? You can create a program, but then you can't. Even though it's dead, uh, I'm a failure if I, if I do away with it. So we're just going to put things on top of it. And then you've got this humongous structure that's dying and rotting. So, uh, uh, and then staff. There's a boldness uh, and a, cur- a courage because you've got to be able to staff appropriately to do a multi-generational only worship gathering, but a church, a family. You've got to be able to, willing to make the, the sacrifice and have the courage necessary to 
Invest in other generations with your facilities, with your programs, and with your staff. And then uh, I even added this for us in particular, and in this modern techno-internet age, um, you've got to especially be willing to make that sacrifice in the areas of tech, media, and students, children and students, um, because they are more tech savvy than any of us in here. And the day is coming to where that's where, if it's not already here, that, that gets, they, they respond to that more than anything. And we've got to be willing to get, meet them where they are and not act like, okay, I don't even know how that works. Oh, I've even heard of that. How many of you heard of TikTok? Okay, see, you people, I've never even heard of it. My wife opened a TikTok account last night. And I'm like, what? And didn't you open it for her, Jack? It was in my, my daughter, what in the world is TikTok? I still even know what TikTok is. But you know what? I, I need to learn what TikTok is. Just like I, don't, I still don't understand how or why people want to be on Snapchat. But I know what it is. My kids are all on it. And I actually have an Instagram account. I don't use it hardly at all. I've got a Facebook account that I mostly use. And I, and, uh, I don't ever use Twitter. Did anybody ever use Twitter? Yeah, we didn't use Twitter. Oh, he does? Okay. Yeah, we but but um, <laughs> part, part of being courageous is investing in tech. Some people go, well, I can't afford tech. Well, you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to be wise and invest as the Lord uh, uh, gives you courageously and sacrificially in tech. Third, intentional. It, Y'all, multi-generational gatherings does not happen, just not just happen spontaneously. Because you know what? We're all different. We're gonna we're gonna drift to our to our group. We're gonna drift our cliff. So you've got to be intentional about it. And the way I I have in my own life is you got to educate yourself. Philippians two four. Pastor Mel already read it. Look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Cultural trends, man. Read, um, watch TV. Pay attention to what's going on. Not so that you can approve it, but so that you know how to engage and interact and know from the reference point from where from where your people are coming are coming from. I've put news, websites, magazines, pop radio, what they're talking about, and try to figure out how if someone asks you about that, how you might counter it from a from a gospel driven perspective. Number two, note popular authors and speakers. And as you notice why they're popular, try in your mind to identify, or maybe I think more than some people, but identify useful bridges. Like in conversation, uh, how I can bridge this to a gospel conversation, or um, note hurtful propaganda that you hear and that you see and you read that you could counter. Like when Jake's standing in front of his students, he can say, "Oh yeah, I'm not clueless," da 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 da. But then he can turn around and tell them why this is something you you better be cautious about. Um, Christian radio, I've already kind of said that. You listen for songs that are truthful. I'm talking about worship content. Listen for songs that are truthful. And I'm gonna be honest with you, catchy. People remember things that are catchy. They're more turn. They're, they're they're more likely to want to sing them. And guess what? If you're filled with truth, they're going to be memorizing truth because it's they, they want to. So um, catchy, truthful, and then congregation friendly. You know, a lot of problems with music is we've got we found this great song that no one can sing, and uh, we experience this. And normally I'm pretty good at it. And sometimes people who are like true, almost perfect pitch people, you didn't sing that song in the key that it was in on the radio, and and, and I really try to be good about singing things in congregational family keys. Well, a song we sang yesterday, Great Things. It's a Phil Wickham song. Uh, several people told me they had not heard of that song before. It's on his album. Um, that This Is Amazing Grace came off of. Everybody knows that song, but they didn't great. And great things come off the same album. And uh, we introduced it about a month and a half ago. And oh my word, it was 
well-received, but so the wrong key. I mean, it was way too high. I mean, it's the worship leader. Come, let us worship our king. I'm like, what in the world have I done? And everybody's either not singing or, and, and we're usually well attended, but somehow we missed it. And so yesterday we lowered it a minor third. And so, and it was much, the choir, when we kind of reviewed it, because we'll sing it tomorrow, that way, was so much, oh, Scott, I don't want you to do it, but that song is so much better. I like this song. <laughs> <laughs> it's attainable. People want to sing. They want to, they want to participate and engage. And so, um, anyway, so listen for things that you can use. Uh, and I'm just going to throw this out, part of the intentionality. Pastor Mel told someone the other day, he was having a conversation about some different things in our church, and there an accusation or a thought or a concern was made that, well, you're just trying to reach the young folks. And the pastor went, no, no, we're trying to reach all folks. We're not just trying to reach the young folks. We're trying to reach the old folks, too. We're trying to reach everyone and find a place where we can all come together. And, and with that in mind, retro refreshers. I mean, I'm 52, okay? And uh, I came up through an age of, you know, traditional, heart-stirring, monster um, anthemics, orchestra music, uh, choir, and I love all of that. <clears throat> but revisit it. There's old music. Um, your libraries might be full of them. Um, that is, that can, that we, that's still useful today. It builds relationships with the older folks in the congregation, uh, many of whom are mature, some are not. But you know, like Pastor Mel says, it goes a long way when you scratch an itch every now and then. And, uh, and you know, a lot of it's good. A lot of it's good. Um, I'll put there's some great stuff out there. Don't discount it because of the copyright day. I know of people that go, they don't even, they don't even, they read music and they don't even look at music. They go straight to the bottom and if it, and if it doesn't have, it's not 2019, they don't even look at it. And we can't be that way. That's very, I think, arrogant and uh, it's ignorant as well. So um, consider the things that you've seen or, or, or go and study about things that are maybe in your library that can be used theologically sound. You know, some things we do here are old songs that have an old feel because it's got a dated arrangement or dated orchestration. Well, if we don't arrange it ourselves, we'll, we will go find, let's find an update. Don't change the tune. In the 90s, they tried to, y'all remember, they tried, oh, we're going to bring hymns back by changing the tune, keeping the lyrics. That was a huge fail. It was a huge fail. No, preserve the tunes. Uh, you might change the chord progressions or something to make it a little more modern or more, uh, uh, I guess, uh, relevant you know, to today. But uh, you can make things fresh and still not lose the appreciation of the older folks. Um, okay, and then attend concerts of all kinds. I mean, my staff has been to go see Hans Zimmer in concert. My, me and my son have been to see uh, ASO. You can go to Passion Battle Elevation, those worship concerts. Hey, go to artist concerts, Sean Menendez uh, or Mendes. Ed Sheeran, Carrie Underwood, Taylor Swift. You've got things to learn from them. Uh, those are secular things, but there are things you can learn. Okay, this is what our people are listening to. Okay, this is what mm, I can know. Oh, okay, I know why the, I know why I don't like that they're doing this. You know, just be familiar and educa educated about our culture. If nothing else, you might get some ideas to use. We can learn from from everybody. And uh, and then finally, under the how, I think this is finally before we get to the, no, there's two more. Relationally. Uh, the way, how we do it is relationally. Pastor Mill knows this, and I know he does this too. Jay is doing it right now. Relationally is, you get out of your office. You get to know, I don't just hang out with the adult choir. My son Jack can tell you, I go on youth trips. 
I go out and hang in the children's ministry. I try to get to for people who are not in part of a part of my ministry. I want to know who they are. I want them to know I care about them and love them. But I also want to kind of get a sense or feel of what they're about and what they're going through, and maybe give it give it an opportunity. I love you know Jake is always talking about opportunities for gospel conversations, opportunities that God's going to open the door, and uh, but you're not. If you're not, okay, you can't be a multi-generational gathering, church, whatever, if you're not looking for people not like you. We are, we are constantly going to, it's easy for me to find people that are in their 50s, that have uh, uh, professional degrees, huh? Eight children. Eight children. Maybe that's not, I've got eight children. Uh, maybe not, but you know, who are educated, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's easy, white, you know, it's easy for me to find people like me. I think if God would have us be more Christ-like, let's go find people who are not like me. Yeah. Let's go find people who that Christ loves, and He's put me in this community to reach and show His love, but also to be loved by. There are people that can teach me, people that can disciple me, people that can grow me, and uh, I'm missing out if I'm just, mm, I'm just going. So you've got to be intentional in your relationships. And Scott, I, I'd go ahead and add that. Uh, I appreciate that Scott, on Sundays, we have early service and second service. In between, he'll go to the children's ministry and poke his head in the, in the kids' Sunday school rooms, their, their life groups, and uh, talk to them and get to know them. And, uh, I tell you, it makes a world difference if those kids love Scott. It doesn't matter what he does in the worship service. They're going to love what he does. Yes. They love Scott. Even if it's good for and when, when he's with uh, youth or if he's with senior adults, or if he's, if he's with all those generations and they all love Scott, mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing how that can love overcomes all our sins. You know? And I'll tell you this: since everybody, if God blesses, everybody's going to get older. Okay, um, it helps you stay younger. You know, when I go on youth trips, that I have no role on the like. I mean, I've had Jake has only been here a year, but people have over and over. Why are you on this trip? I mean, you're the music guy. Because I want to be with the kids. I want to love on the kids. I want to know I'll, that they love me. I want, I want them to love me. I want to be young. I want to, I want to, I want to be young. And so one thing that, that you can do, and it also just has an added benefit, a lot of Mel, blessing others and, and, and contributing to the multi-generational environment. Um, John 13, 34, 35 says that you love one another just as I loved you. You're also to love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And love comes through one thing, that's relationships. Build relationships with other staff, especially those not of your generation. Especially those not of your generation. Especially those maybe not of your field. Um, build and intention, because it is easy not to do that. Part of the reason churches have failed is they've not reached out to people not like them, but part of the reason they failed is there's no unity on staff. They're, the staff doesn't get along. The staff is not even on the same page. Everybody's kind of built their own little kingdom. We've talked about it. You may have heard it ministry silos and we've got their own little thing and don't touch my world I won't touch yours kind of thing build relationships with people who are don't do what you do and are not of your generation you can learn a lot and maybe you can bless them too and then I put go on trips retreats and with people not of your generation and then I put this because I've done this before I haven't done it so much here recently but lead or participate in Bible studies discipleship groups prayer groups of people not in your generation uh, and that's why Jake and Pastor Mel were getting out um uh, we like to pick on Jackie because he's so funny. 84 years old, rides, is it a Harley? He rides a Harley. He goes, y'all, as a chaperone on beach trips. Every trip. 
every trip. And the thing is, I mean, and the kids love Brother Jack. Mabel, now Mabel, everybody loves her. And Mabel will talk your ears off. And uh, there is not a kid unloved when Mabel's around. There's no one that's ostracized when Mabel's, Mabel's around. There's no one left in the corner. Hmm, no one's going, I'm going to fix that. I mean, that's the way Miss Mabel is. And, uh, and there are many others. These are just two of the, you know, the, the one that stands out. Because they're so much older than the rest. And uh, some of the other ones that Patrick was talking about, I mean, uh, Patrick, that Jake was talking about, is sing, the, the middle, like the 30-year-olds, those are single guys. Single guys, single girls um, that are finding, I'm just going to pick on Reagan. Reagan's a single girl, 31, 30, 31. Uh, she's a school teacher, but here she's involved. Pastor Mark, she's involved in everything. A middle school choir, she leads worship for a uh, ministry here for uh, recovering addiction, addiction, addiction habits and all of this. She's in our choir. She's on our press team. She she does every she she babysits all these little babies. I mean, she does everything, and uh, and it's a real blessing to the church. And she's in a stage of her life where she has maybe more time than she may have in future. And she's making you know she's blooming where she's planted. You know, God, this is what you're giving me for now, and I'm going to make the most of it. And we really love uh, Rachel. I mean, Rachel. That's his wife. Reagan for that. Um, and then finally, and this is probably most important, how of all. Before we get to what we do at Jonesboro, the most important how of all, prayerfully, prayerfully. This is not the least and last, it's the last and best. 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He what? Hears us. He hears us. And Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, because with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people, not just people like you. Like Pastor Mel said, I don't want the keys to another church. We want that church to succeed. There are more people. This county is, uh, I think, 90 plus percent unchurched. And it's in the Bible Belt, South Atlanta. Like 300 or so thousand people live in this county. And it is the smallest county in the Atlanta metro area. And 300,000 people live here. So think about that. 200 plus, 250,000 plus people are lost. I mean, my word. Um, it. It's plenty of opportunity for us to pray for all those people, not just one little click, because my click will eventually die. So that's you've heard the why, now you've heard the kind of how on gross means. Now, what do we do here at Jonesboro to make that happen? Well, first of all, we don't do it perfectly. We mess up all the time, we reevaluate, we really stink sometimes. Um, but our goal is to, uh, these, you've, we've seen our goals and where we want to, and trusting the Holy Spirit as we walk with Him, Hopefully he'll accomplish this. First of all, our philosophical commitment and, uh, is one church, one identity. We've talked about this a little bit. Many churches around us cannot figure out who they are. And they're doing all these different kinds of things because we want to track this kind of person, this kind of person, this kind of person. Instead, we seek to know, Lord, we want to please you. Um, and uh, in doing so, we believe you called us to reach as many people as possible, which means not just welcoming them at the door, but engaging them in worship, engaging them in Bible study, and you say, what does engagement mean? That means making them feel welcome. Pastor Mel alluded to it. We're in a community here that's diversifying racially, and we love it. But you know what? It's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do because everybody was raised different, and there's racial tensions from the past, and this church has not had the best past in the past, and God has delivered us from much of that. And we're continuing to, God, how can we all worship you together and be a beautiful picture of the body of Christ?
And so I don't want uh, a white person, a black person, anybody to feel like, mm -hmm, I can tell by the things they're doing, the clothes they're wearing, the things they're singing, the prayers they're praying, the pictures on the wall, the decorations in the room, that I'm not welcome. Or I can tell who they're going after. You don't want that. You want to be that I don't really, I just know they're, we're all here about Jesus. We're just here about Jesus. And there's really, my choir and orchestra and my team, we never talk about genres or styles or whatever. We just go after gospel. What, what, what is this? This is a great song. Hey, it may be modern, maybe not. But I will caveat it with this. We angle, Pastor Mel knows this. We, we try to reach everybody, but we aim it toward who we're not. We try to aim it toward who we don't have yet. We, we don't want to keep aiming toward everybody we've already got because God has called us to reach everybody. So uh, let's, let's, let's have more things for people we don't have yet or people that we want to show, hey, we love you too, as they come in the door and by word of mouth and by word of, hey, this church, they finally get me now. Or used to when they said I was welcome, now I feel wanted. And there's a difference between feeling welcome and feeling wanted. So, and that's, y'all, that is a continual struggle of, of prayer and just getting in the trenches, getting your hands dirty, and it's never going to end. Like some people think, oh, they want to get to a place where you've arrived and we can move on. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen when you're trying to love on people because people are messy. And, uh, and just a little bit about my story, I can give you a little more. I, I, Jack is my oldest birth son. We do have eight children, four African-American children, four white children. And so I know a little bit about the struggles. And it's a beautiful thing. We would do it all over again. But it's been hard. Oh, my word, it's been hard. It's been funny. We've had some really funny, some really funny things. Uh, I remember when Lily was just a, <laughs> three or four years old, and my wife was yanking her in, in Walmart because Lily was trying to do something. And the lady came up to her, uh, an African-American lady came to her and said, little girl, where's your mama? <laughs> and, and my wife was holding her hand, and Lily goes, now, Lily, we just got Lily. She's about four. And the first words came out of her mouth. When we, when we picked her up, we were out in the park. And a siren went by. She goes, poo poo, poo poo. And we'd never heard that, part, that term before. And, uh, <laughs> and so this little she goes, her? And, and then right in front of us, the lady goes, well, someone needs to tell her how to do your hair. And, of course, you know, my wife was like, come on, Lily. You know, and, but we get it from we, we get it both ways. You know what I'm saying? And, from the, and, and so we, we've had to learn to laugh it off. It's really really funny. Um, and we, we, we you know we've learned we've learned that uh, no one person has a corner or one race has a corner of the market on bigotry or hatred. We all messed up by sin, and uh, and we're, we're getting a, a a lab in it in my house. Yes, Jay. Can I just sum it up with one statement? Yeah. We have preferences. The gospel doesn't. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. That's a good word. People have preferences, but the gospel does not. And uh, that's why there's to be no Greek Jew, no slave, no free, no male, no female. We're all one. Many parts of one body created for a reason. God created us all, and every single one of us are beautiful. Every single one of us are beautiful and created for a purpose. Uh, okay, what do we do at Jonesboro? One, a philosophical commitment to one church identity. Pastor Miller and I... Our services are identical. We do not have separate services for separate styles. Heart, I've heard people say, well, we have this service for this heart language or that worship uh, language. And uh, that's fine. I agree with him. We are not here to condemn the way other people do it or the way God has called another church to lead. We just know what God's called us to do. And for us, having identical services means that whoever, like if we go to a restaurant, we have two morning services. 
If we go to a restaurant and you come across somebody in the church who didn't go to your service, you can have a common conversation about what you experienced because it was the same music, it was the same sermon, it was like, well, did you go to this or this? Because if so, it's, it, it might be a different sermon, it might not, but almost always it's going to be different music if, it's, if you're appealing to styles. And so we, might, we want everybody, we're one church. When you experience, when people think First Baptist Jonesboro, we want them to think one thing. And not, well, it depends on how old you are, what color you are, or blah, 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 or what hour you went, none of that. And so, um, and it's hard, I'll tell you, it's hard, I'll get to that in a minute. This extends, though, as Pastor Mill alluded to, beyond our worship music. There is cross-general interaction here in Sunday school, we talked about that, discipleship groups, and a one-on-one discipleship, retreats, and a ministry and service. When we've got, in, like in our orchestra, we have a fabulous orchestra. The oldest person is probably nearing 80 in our orchestra. The youngest is like 12. Okay? And they all serve together. Now, let me tell you, sometimes the older people, way, way, way more skilled, seasoned, lots of them don't even need to practice. They just sight read stuff because they've been doing, it's like the instrument's a part of them. And then you've got a 12-year-old who, bless their heart, they all have passion in the world. They don't know what they're doing. And sometimes they can frustrate each other. This is a know-it-all to the kid. This is an inept to the adult. You know, there's no place for them. They need to get ready, you know. Because a lot of times churches were like, you had to be super skilled to be in our group or you, there's no place for you. And so we've kind of, that's where we're a teaching orchestra, where we've got great people. We also have people that are not so great, who are learning from the great people. And so I, I think you'd say that they practice with them for a few weeks before they throw them into the Sunday morning. They do, yeah. So they, they get time together and work together, and then they... And we've discovered that, and it's human nature, people are not going to get out there and embarrass themselves. We often don't even have to tell them. They'll come to rehearsals, and guess what? They won't get out there if they're not ready. We've discovered that. Well, if they're a normal person, you know, if they're a same normal person, they're not going to go willingly be embarrassed. And so often we don't have to tell them when they're ready. They, they know. And, uh, and so they'll get up there when they're ready. And uh, so it's been much more discipleship-oriented uh, going to that model. We offer choirs, large group team opportunities for every age group. Part of it is we believe that one of the reasons Christ gave us the church, gave us each other, is to minister to each other and serve each other. And so many people in our congregations want to serve. And, and, and in our choirs, orchestras, large team ministry opportunities give us an opportunity, more people opportunity to serve. Like there are people, man, who can't really sing very well, but you put them in a big choir and they sing also. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they feel good about what they're doing and they see the impact God is using in the group that they're part of to minister to the congregation. Man, what, what a blessing you not only have been to them, but now they realize, man, I don't have all that, but God has... These people make me beautiful. These people make me sound awesome. And I have a place. I have a family. I have another discipleship group. I have people who pray for me. People, if you in this in this room and you have choirs or orchestras or a big team, you know they're the prayer warriors in your life. You know the ones that can be depended on. I'll joke, not with Pastor Mel, but with Glenn a lot of times. How come when you want your volunteers, you always come to the choir because well they're always here yeah I know but you know quit stealing the boats yeah. <laughs> that's right but there's a truth underlying that and that is they're faithful people they're praying people they're loving people Scott I'd, I'd add that uh, we've had people join our church because their church got rid of the choir yeah. and, they, and they had a gift that they wanted to use but they couldn't use it and so they've come to join or, or especially the orchestra yeah uh, so many churches have done away with orchestras and they learned this in school, but where do I use it? How can I use this skill? Right. And they've actually come to our church so they could 
clay. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we often tell people that God has given you a gift, uh, give it back to him. Yeah. But there's so many people in churches that can't because their church won't let them. And so that's why, you know, we, we, we try to just include as many as so we'll have a few hundred people up on stage leading in worship because uh, we want them to really use the gifts that God has given them. And so that, that really plays into that as well. Yeah, one of the ways that we can minimize that it's about me is is the we. It, you know, I like to say he, we, me. And so it's all about him, but we can do so much better than me. I know it's a misuse of pronouns, but we are better than me. And um, and so, or you've heard this if you're a football player, there's no I in team. You know, you've heard all of that. And um, But it, you cannot foster... Uh, a, a, a me mentality as very much if, if, if you've got this huge team versus just three people. Because there's a great tendency, and I'm not saying anybody does it on purpose, to become the stars. You're the divas, all of a sudden you're the untouchables, or your bars for those people go so high to where now you've got unbelievable uh, um, uh, audition process, and it's like, like he said, untouchable. I can't there's no way, I mean, I've got a pretty good voice, but there's no way I can sing there because they don't have a place for me because they only want the stars. They only want the best. And large teams like choirs and orchestras give so many more people an opportunity to serve. And it kind of it, it evens us all out. Okay, uh, in that, uh, choirs, large group, camp opportunities for every age group, training and discipleship opportunities for all so that all may worship together, serve together, encourage one another, teach one another. But going back to the, the very first thing, the, the sacrificial and the courageous, got a staff for that. You got to have a commitment to staff for it. And above and beyond that, you've got to be willing to put in the hard work to recruit and train lay people. Find the lay people who it's their passion uh, and, and put in that hard work and stick with them when they mess up. Because it happens all the time. Stick with them when they mess up um, to make that investment um, and, and make that commitment to developing leadership to make all this happen. And then Design worship services for all generations. A lot of people fall flat on their feet. I mean, I guess maybe some of you, maybe, maybe not, maybe in this room, maybe not. That's what I'm here for. Um, utilize music of every genre to engage every generation. It's uh, not about putting on a show. It's about making everybody feel welcome and feeling like something, oh, I, okay, I can identify with, okay, okay. They do know I'm here. Do you know what I mean? Oh, they do know I'm here. Um, hey, Scott, can I, can I yes. ask you a question? Mm -hmm. I want to clarify. Some people equate multi-generational blended. Those are two different things. Yeah. What is the distinction between those two? Because when you say multi-generational, they say, oh, you're just going to have a blended service. That's not the same thing. No, it's not. And I would say my, my, my best answer to that is the word blended has got a really bad connotation because it's been done badly for decades. And, uh, and you know, I guess you could say what we do is blended. Um, but we don't use that word because um, blended is not just picking a song from this decade and this decade and this decade and just throwing it all together because it doesn't work, number one. It just doesn't work. And that's when you heard, oh, I know. When people ask us what we do, and I tell them, they say, oh, you just make everybody mad. Well, no, we don't make everybody mad. We focus on the gospel. We focus on the gospel, songs that preach truth or, or sing truth, songs though that have engaging tune that help people to memorize it and want to sing it. And then we do try to look at our congregation who all's here and how can we communicate this truth that's going to engage these people and these people and these people. And how we, although, one little caveat I mentioned earlier, but who do we need to reach that we're not reaching? 
And so always try to throw that in there to where, because if people come to visit, so when we talk about multi-generational, um, it's, it's, I would say, Pastor Mel, it's similar to, um, okay, it's similar to uh, the word blended, but blended just has a, a, a wrong connotation. And, and multi-generational is not so much as, blended I think is a style thing, it's styles. And multi-generational is more about truth. Truth and what can I use tools to engage people? Would you, so you talked about change, like not changing the hymn, but adding different chord progression, stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. Would that go into, that's a big difference between blended and multi-generational in my mind. You're not, yeah. you're not changing the song that you're... Correct. For example, like yesterday, I know like this morning, we sang How Marvelous. I mean, that's a Chris Tomlin version from one of his albums. It was a spontaneous worship moment and a passion thing. And it's y'all are, oh, I recognize that. How I was, how I was, my Savior's love for me. But there are subtle chords in If you're a musician, you're like, ah, ah, it's the, it's the same tune. But if you're a musician, you realize, okay, his chord changes made it more uh, pleasing to the modern ear. It, it didn't make it seem so old. Although it's the exact same tune. Mm-hmm. And, um, but just a little, that's what he's talking about. Thank you for having me that. Um, it makes it just a little more appealing to somebody besides yourself. And it made the old song new again. Like yesterday, some people might consider, oh, t- Pastor Mel knows this, at the end of the session, the first session yesterday, we sang God of Grace and God of Glory. Now, we're doing a, a conference on big storytellers. And uh, in the middle of that, it said, crowned by an ancient church's story, bring her bud to glorious flower. Now, God somehow, because that song was not in any way on our playlist yesterday. It wasn't. But about 10 minutes before we had to go in there, it just hit me, we've got to sing that song. And... Um, and so I went in there, and I was typing back, on, and they're, they're, what are you doing? I said, I'm just adding a song. <laughs> and and, and I, the Lord just gave me that song, and, and the way we did it was in the form of a prayer. Remember, I said, let's pray this, pray this with me. And, and, and if you think about that, it is a prayer. God of grace and God of glory, on thy people, pour thy power. Crown thine ancient church's story, bring her blood to glorious flower. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of this hour. You know, and so, and we did it a cappella. And we don't sing that song here on Sunday morning, y'all. We don't. I mean, in my eight and a half years, we've never sung that here. But that kind of, so I think part of being multi-generation is being sensitive to the Spirit. And, and God, and, and, but because of, I'm blessed, because I'm 52, I grew up in a church that sang all the hymns. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that. And I thought, this is talking about the church's story, and we're storytellers. And this is a great prayerful moment that will guide us and set us off on the right. God, you better be telling me to do this. And I had a couple people like, you're crazy. Do you know how many people after goes, you know what made it for me? That hymn you did. That hymn you did. That It was all good. But oh, when you did that hymn. And of course, I'm like, God, you, you receive all the glory for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's because everybody that was present, I think, felt welcome. I mean, we did great things, Phil Wickham. Phil Wickham. We did Do It Again. I think that's Elevation Church. And then right in the middle, we did God of grace and God of glory. And then uh, finally, uh, in part of that, utilize music from every generation. Uh, utilize leadership in the services from every generation. Um, include students and children in our church-wide gatherings. Let me tell you, disclosure here, if everyone knows it, we do a better job with our students than our children. A lot of that has to do with their schedules and the leadership and uh, being on the same page, but that's something we're trying to improve at. Engaging all generations is not just about music, it's about music, yes. Y'all, it's also about service order. 
This current generation, um, they want to know what makes sense. If you're, if you've just got this order and you say, why, why do we do this here? And you just say, because we always have. Shut up. I mean, that doesn't help anybody. You know, a service order that makes sense, that's biblically sound, that that takes them on a journey and has a logical conclusion. Okay. Yes. Can you mention just kind of what our service order looks like and how we incorporate every aspect of worship through proclamation of the word, yeah, prayer, inviting people to pray together. Yeah, we begin our services every week. Uh, it changes; it constantly changes. But I'll tell you real quick what we do right now. Um, we bring, begin our services every week with a video, and it's a video of announcements of what's coming up, what's going on in church life. We feature one of our young adults, or sometimes it's not, sometimes it's older, just somebody from our church who felt comfortable on camera. And, um, and so they're up there giving the announcements and stuff. And when that's over, we either go into an orchestral uh, opener, which is kind of a call to worship, or sometimes we have a baby dedication where a family is dedicating a child. Um, or we go into a, uh, a congregate, sometimes it's a choral anthem, but usually a big congregational song which declares the glory and majesty and worth of God. Now that doesn't always have to be loud. It, sometimes it can be Travis Cockrell's Praise the Lord Almighty, which is re- it's, it's just real soft and it goes to this source, Praise the Lord, and you just kind of praise the Lord together and it gradually builds. Um, but we, we, we acknowledge who He is, His presence, His worth. And then, um, and then we move on into uh, uh, celebrate Thanksgiving, and beyond that, we go into see you later. <laughs> Thanksgiving, we go into uh, a time of telling the gospel story. I believe that one of my goals that God has given me is always to tell the gospel story somewhere in song, because He's going to tell it in His sermon. But not everybody is listening to every moment of his sermon. Just not like, just not, just like not everybody's singing every one of my songs or listening or even paying attention to the words. So I'll, I don't want to miss an opportunity to share the gospel. So we rehearse. We call it rehearsing. We rehearse the gospel somewhere in our music in every service, and then we come to a point of where Pastor Mel calls us to pray, and uh, and, and the church can come down front and pray, pray where they are. Pastor Mel leads us corporately in a time of prayer. And then, uh, and then that event, and the prayer time ends into uh, an offering response. God, we, you've been so gracious to hear our prayers this morning. You promised you would. And so, Lord, we're going to give to you. You've given to us abundantly. Even if we have nothing, we know that there's that you own everything, and you will bless us. And so we give. And then, uh, and usually there's a, a choral or worship response to that, uh, following that in preparation for a sermon. So there's a proclamation of the word. And then some churches have gotten away from this, but when we do a gospel invitation. So at the end of the sermon, we have a time that we invite the entire church to respond. We have prayer counselors that come down front in, in, in addition to staff. And they come down front. Pastor Mel leads us through uh, encouraging and challenging them to respond. And then as we sing, people have an opportunity to respond. And then when that's over with, Pastor Mel makes a few announcements. And then, hey, Scott, lead us out of here. As I head back, I'm going to greet you. The invitation's not over. If you still have questions, you still have needs, if you still want to pray with you, we've got counselors in the lobby. And you can go out there, and there's a well-marked place where they can go meet one-on-one. And it's not coming down front in front of all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. It's a lot less intimidating to go meet somebody in the lobby and say, hey, will you pray with me? Or have you got a question about what he said? And so, um, so we do that out there while he's meeting people. And while he does that, a lot of times we'll either sing a, 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 a reprise, a recapitulation of something we did earlier in the service, just as a reminder of the truth that we've been pro- preached or, or sung or taught today. Or we will say a corporate... Uh, Scripture reading together, 
or I'll, I will read scripture over them, a blessing from the word over them as we send them on their way. So that's kind of the way we do. One thing that we'd like, I'd like to do more of, and it's hard, and he a lot of times does this in our prayer time, is the lament, you know, it's time of lament and confession of sins. And that's, there's not many music, y'all know this if you're musicians, there's not much music that facilitates that these days. So we do most of that during our prayer time. And, uh, and we are constantly wanting to do better with that. And then, uh, and finally, uh, let's say music, service order. Look, do not minimize what things look like, especially in this generation. Lights, what's on the stage, um, you're trying to direct. Some people think, well, you're using all those lights because you're trying to make a show. No, we're trying to direct attention. We're in a big, especially in our situation, we're in a big room. If you want people looking at something, if you've got all the lights on, no, I want you focused over here. So we might need to be doing something over here. So we're going to make all this dark and this lit because we want you focused over here. So to direct people's attention, uh, enhance the beauty of attractiveness, that people are attracted to stuff, you know, enhance their interest, and minimize, here it is, distraction. Minimize distraction. We're all, I like to call it a gospel vector. We're all on the vector pointing people to the truth and the beauty and the hope and kingdom life of the gospel. Nothing should distract. And so it, look matters. Many people don't think we want to modernize the look of our work. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. But we want to modernize the look. Some people walk in and are automatically turned off by the pipes. So we're trying to figure out how do we rejoice in what God has given us, but, but we want to engage people who are turned off by the pipes. You know, we're trying to figure all that out. And then uh, preaching and teaching from different generations. Pastor Mel preaches. We have a gentleman on our staff. He's our executive pastor who preaches mostly to senior citizens who preached just like it was last Sunday, the week before. Last Sunday, uh, Jake, our student pastor, he preaches. Let the people hear from different generations in our pulpit. And I'll be, I'm going to give Pastor Mel kudos. Many of the times when that happens, he's sitting on the front row. It's not like, you know, when I'm gone, y'all can preach for me. No, sometimes that is the case. But many times he's sitting right there. He introduces them. He'll walk up. I want you to hear from somebody today. And he'll be sitting on the front row. Let people hear from different generations. And let the church know he's behind them. I believe in this guy. Hey, listen to him. He has a word. He has a word for me today. I know he's got a word for you. Kind of a thing. So that's kind of all of it in a nutshell. And uh, probably more. It's probably like fire hydrant or whatever. Or maybe it wasn't really helpful to you. But... And again, we have not got it all figured out. But this is what God has stirred in our hearts. And this is what we use. Uh, and this is the path we're on. And, uh, and, and hopefully it's helpful to you. Um, God has really, really blessed us here. And, uh, you know, when I was preparing for this, I was reminded how blessed we are. I was just really reminded how blessed we are. And I trust that many of you are in very blessed situations as well. And, and you can see, maybe some of this, name, God has been good to us. And uh, we don't have it all together because I'm telling you, if any of you got it all together, you're lying. <laughs> you're not being truthful. And the lightning's going to strike and, and whatever. So does anybody, we don't have a whole lot of time. We have more time if I wasn't leaving worship in a few minutes. But we've got some, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Quick question. Yeah, my pastor and I have each inherited a divided church. We've got an 8.30 traditional service. We've got an 11 o'clock contemporary service. And thankfully, we're at a place where we're having space issues in both venues. Okay. So now the pastor's thinking, well, this is a great opportunity maybe to unite. Mm -hmm. um, were you multi-gen when you came, or have you done this since you've been here? And what advice do you have for those who are pursuing it? Okay, let me say what I would say. I would say that we're more multi-gen since I've been here. I'm not going to say we weren't when I came. 
But I'll tell you this, when, when I came, we had a, a, a performance choir, and the worship was driven by a symphonic orchestra. There was no band, there was no rhythm section. Uh, things were led mostly by monster piano organ and a symphonic choir, a, I mean a symphonic orchestra, a choir that kind of performed very well, great choir. There was some worship going on, but it was predominantly the old school. And, um, and so, and, and no attention to the way the room looked, or the way things looked, or the way the things sounded. I mean, it was just, hey, it's all there, let's just pick one mic over the, over a 50-piece orchestra. For those of you who know, that doesn't get it. You just pick one mic, and that's what it was. There was one mic over a 50-piece orchestra. You just can't do that. You know, and so, well, as far as just our, our approach, we've become much more, I think, multi-generational in, in, since I've been here in that, well, we now have a band. We now have to pay attention to look. We use rear lighting. We use color lighting. We use media much more than we did that. Um, we've invited, we put the band in, the band, and he knows it started, the band started, well, what was that? And it's gradually going to take a more prominent place, and now the band actually stands, and, it, and it's in front of where the orchestra was, and he knows when I told him, I said, my goal is that we become a rhythm-driven orchestra, and we've gotten there. So our orchestra, now we do sometimes do symphonic things where the band just lets the orchestra sing. But then the orchestra comes and they lead. And most of the congregational things, unless it's a big hymn, is a rhythm driven thing. And then, by the way, if you don't have this, a band will make your orchestra play better. I'm just telling you, it will make your orchestra better. And it, 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 at least it did for us. And so, for us. And then the other thing I would say, people here have told me, and Pastor Mel may, he would know better than me, but they've told me, when I came, we do older music and newer music than before I came. And part of it's personal, it's me. I just love it all. And in, in my experience, where I came from growing up and what God has exposed me to and the passions he's given me. So part of it is just who it is that's leading and whether they can, because, because I love it all, I really work hard to make it all in a sensible way and not start stop where where I really try to make people feel like they're not being jerked around. You know, to where it, it's seamless and when they come out, man, I don't remember when you went to the contemporary song. Man, we just think about Jesus today. I mean that's kind of so I think maybe from that point of view that we have become more multi-generous because we've been more sensitive to things that maybe people didn't think mattered in the past, or maybe they didn't matter in the past, but in today it just matters more. Did um, you use a gradual person from Obsession to well, bring this up today, or and that's what he said. He's got two different identities here, and uh, how does he? It doesn't happen overnight. Well, so how did you? Okay. I may not be the best person because we never had two identities. Uh, we all, it was what it was, and uh, I mean we brought the band in overnight. I mean, but now I will tell you this: uh, the the choice of music. We brought the band in overnight, but it wasn't rocking overnight. We brought the band in, but it was it was kind of laid back and chill. And but, but the whole band was there, and it was off to the side, not not going to run you over with it. And we gradually amped up, you know, gradually amped up their role and their presence and the things they're able to do. And Pastor Mel knows that fortunately we had people that were willing to stay on us with the journey. Because sometimes they think, man, I don't want to go through that. I want to get to the end. I want to be there. And then you get the orchestra people that are resisting. Because when it first happened, I had about four or five world-class players that left uh, uh, in my orchestra. Because they felt, uh-huh, we're no longer important. Or we're no longer the center. 
because they thought if, if the band is going to, those are digital, mm -hmm. they're going to hear them more than they hear my French horn. Mm -hmm. And it was a French horn player, a tuba player, a bass trombone player, uh, an oboe player. Maybe it was four, it was four people. And they were like world class, y'all. They were like world class. And I, if you're a real mystery, you don't lose anybody. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was trying to figure out how can you keep him from leaving. And my orchestra director, you may know him at the time, his name was Tom Lynn. And he was here. He said, I've been doing this for 35 years, Scott. And he said, this is what I do. Now, he was the orchestra director. <laughs> he said, if they can't get on board, he said, you know, he said, I don't, I don't need their talent if I don't have their heart. That's right. He said, I don't need their talent. He said, Scott, I know you're the boss because he was part-time. So he said, I just go. And so he said, matter of fact, I'll sit in the meeting with you. And so I said, I don't want to tell it. So we sat in the meeting together, and, uh, and God was real gracious. And the people were just like, fine, we'll leave. And they did. I didn't ask them to leave. I just said, this is the way it's going to be. You need to know. Thank you. I need to know it's, it, it's for the love of everybody. And, it, and they didn't care. And so they left. Mm -hmm. It hurt. And there were some Romans for a while among the remnant, remnant, remnants. But we're past all of that now. And God's been doing it. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. And, uh, and most of the people who have a problem with it have left. But I'm just going to tell you, if anybody leaves your church over style, they, their heart was never there. It was never there. I mean, they're not loving others as Jesus taught us to love them. It's all about me. And, and I know churches have been destroyed over it. So I think it, it, has, to be, it has to be a strong leadership from me and from Pastor Mel about difference. Considering others better than yourself. Like he said, the gospel has no preference. So you've got and you've got to revisit that. You know, sometimes you have people say, Man, why do you preach from John 3.16 again? Um, because we've got to be reminded. We've got to be reminded of the truth. I mean, I'll be can I be honest and sinful, Pastor Mel? I'm gonna confess. I'm gonna confess. This past, this past Sunday, I was like, again, um, Lanny preached on Matthew 28. 18 and so I was like, again? And by the Spirit. When it was over, I had to go to apologize to him. And I was like, Kaiser Lanny, when I, when I, I thought, because he's the missions pastor. And you know, and that's a, one of the great uh, <laughs> cornerstone missions passages. And I thought, oh, Lanny, oh, and I've heard, I've heard Lanny preach this before, kind of a thing. Arrogant, blah, blah. But when it was over, God spoke to me in a fresh way. Um, Lanny presented in a completely different uh from a perspective than I was anticipating or thinking. And I went up to him and I confessed. I said, you know, I thought it was the same old, same old. I'm, and I could have, this is where the Lord, I could have just gone in and not listened. Oh, I've already decided. I've already decided. Like somebody's saying, I've already, been, I've already decided. But I know God gave me the grace. Well, let's give him a chance. And it was great. It was great. You're really blessing. Okay. My friend Jake is trying to say, Scott, you got to go. All right, um, if y'all got any questions, you can always scholar at mbcjumpware.com. I may not always be able to give you the right, the right or best answer, but I'll, or it might not be super timely. I try to answer everything as, as I get it, as much as I can. But, uh, and you're welcome to, all of our services are streamed online and archived, and so you can see what we do, the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> it's all out there, and, uh, but uh, we're, we're thankful for what God does, and we just trust Him for each new day. And if you've not been, come worship with us. We'll see. If you have, you got a sense the last, if you've been in there the last two times, how we do worship here. Yes. Um, we didn't have our teams here. We just had a few people on Sunday morning. We'll have a full choir, full orchestra band, and all that. But at least the content, you get an idea of the content and how we try to reach everybody who's that we anticipate to be there. Okay.
Get out of here, Scott. You gotta go. All right. I gotta go with <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.